I grew up taking piano lessons. Uh, my parents put me in piano at the age of four. My mom had this dream of me being a guitar player and, and being able to just casually play music in front of people and, and at parties. And that was totally not my, my persona. I was a quiet, nerdy kid. Uh, and I loved music, I loved playing guitar, but I would just, just play for my own four walls in my bedroom. I went to a little private Christian school that had a weekly chapel service and there's no one to lead the music. So I ended up being pressured to just use whatever little guitar skills I had to lead us in songs. And the pastor of the chapel service came up to me and he said, you know, Nathan, thank you so much for being willing to do this, but maybe don't sing into the microphone next time. Um, maybe find somebody else. <laughs> I was crushed. I guess the next chapter uh, was when I came up to college at Rice in Houston. My friends told me about a certain college ministry that I should get connected with. And so I emailed the pastor and um, somehow he also found out that I did music and he said, we don't have anyone to do music in the fall. Like, would you be willing to play guitar and sing? So I show up the first week and I still kind of bombed. <laughs> but I got to play every Tuesday and so that, that offered some moments to improve quickly. And by the end of the semester, people were singing along. And I think I was starting to understand like the, the power of worship together. I was going to rise to be a chemist of all things. And looking back, I don't even know why. People had told me that I should do uh, engineering or, or science because I was good enough at math and was and struggled. I had a class in the spring go really poorly and I made some poor choices on my term paper. I just uh, plagiarized most of it in an effort to pass this class that, that was not going well. And they found out, they caught me. And so uh, after my first year at Rice, I, I was kicked out for a whole year, which is totally identity crushing for me. Growing up, this was who I was, was a smart kid, a rule follower. And it's in that season of frustration and shame that a friend of mine asked me to come uh, help lead worship at his church. And uh, I was just coming one Sunday to lead one song and, and play acoustic guitar. And I lead the song and I'm walking off the little stage. And my friend named Mike says, hey, do you want my job? I said, sure. Um, but it was just a joke to me. And then he calls me like a week later and he said, okay, I just got out of the, um, the meeting with the board of elders and I resigned and you have my job. <laughs> it was probably the first time that in that season I felt like God was working because I had just totally screwed up my own plans. God didn't do that. I, I messed that up and I knew that and I was just carrying around the fact that this was a wasted year of my life. And when Mike gave me that job, it was like the confirmation that God's still with me, that he's 
he's still working through my mistakes, through my slip-ups to provide good things for me and to provide purpose in my life. So after that year was up, I decided to go back to Rice to finish my degree, but I kept that job at the church and I had a new sense of direction in my life. Driven every highway in this state All the Bucky's cashiers know my name So I started songwriting and performing uh, in venues and bars and, and dance halls and churches across Texas and in the South. The glory of the open I started playing at, at The Story because Eric was looking for somebody that could play country music for their 5 p.m. service. I came to love music because it helped me connect with people and it helped me encourage others in their faith and be encouraged in my faith in a time when, when I was struggling. And the more I played at the story, the more I found that this was the space where that was the most true, rather than in venues, uh, when I was constantly trying to sell myself and, and convince people that, that I was worthy of their attention. Here, that's, it's not about me, which I find a lot of comfort in. I get up here on Sunday and and a lot of times when I'm worshiping, I'm, I'm just thanking God, saying, thank you for saving me from my own plan. God totally diverted me from that path and set me on to one that I would have never wanted. And it's been so much better than I would have ever imagined. If you need a real boost of confidence in your faith, uh, you gotta track down Julie and, and have her make one of those videos for you. They really, gosh, man. Makes a lot more sense now when I see it all with the pictures. But really, thanks, Julie. Um, I'm so excited to have some time. Eric gave me some time this morning to talk about worship, uh, to talk about what I value in worship, uh, what I've learned, uh, and, and how you can specifically engage with us in worship. Um, this is exciting because I know that not everybody can engage or understands what's going on uh, when we're up here singing these songs. Maybe you're not a musician, you didn't grow up singing in church, so it's real foreign to you and you, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but I, I want to leave you with one thing that I think, even if you're not a musician, even if you're not a singer, you can, you can engage in this part of the service. I would hope you could because we spent a lot of time singing. Uh, if you come consistently and you don't really know what to do with this part of the service, then uh, we're kind of leaving a lot of time on the table, kind of wasting a lot of your time. Um, so there's a lot of things I could speak on when it comes to worship, but I'm going to just, just go with one thing that I have learned, that I've discovered in this last year of my life, uh, and that I'm excited to share with you all. It's just one thing. So the one thing is, some of you guys got to get voice lessons, and that's the... <laughs> no, I... 
you know, Eric told me I needed to get some of those, and it, it's really helped um, my worship experience. Now, here's the one thing. Remember. Worship is a time set apart to remember what God has done. God asks us to take time regularly out of our busyness to do this work of remembering because he knows that it will not happen automatically. Our lives move forward so fast. I'm often so busy moving in the forward direction that I forget whole chunks of my story, big influential chapters like the video you saw. I don't walk around as if that happened to me, as if God provided in the way he did. What would happen if I walked around with that memory of God's faithfulness in my heart? So God asks us to take time during our weekly worship to remember. In the Old Testament law, God builds in a weekly Sabbath day of rest and remembrance. And I want to share this quote with you on the purpose of the Sabbath. It'll be on the screen too. God... The designer of our minds was surely taking into account the characteristic of human memory when he announced the fourth of the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God wanted to etch on our minds, on the minds of the Israelites, that he is the creator and redeemer of mankind. So he set aside a regular block of time for the rehearsal of these facts. Week after week, the Sabbath returns with a reminder of who God is. By celebrating these great truths again and again, we can remain constantly aware of them. This practice of remembrance for believers holds great power in our lives. And God warns us to take care lest we forget what he's done in our life. In in looking at this word in the Bible for remember, uh, I found out that, that the biblical meaning of this Hebrew word remember amounts to much more than just a cognitive recall. Uh, it's an active word, and it means rehearsing the facts. Remembrance is keeping these facts, the facts of your life, what God has done, in front of you and holding on to them as you move forward in your life. So I want to show you this practice of remembrance in the Bible by looking at the story of two generations of Hebrews in the Old Testament. The first generation of Hebrews are the ones delivered out of slavery, and and they did not do a good job of remembering the good work of God. They were the generation for whom God split the Red Sea. God delivered them from their enemies as they walked across dry land where there used to be water. And yet, as they move forward, they don't take care to remember, and their faith ultimately is not strengthened by this miracle that God does. When they arrive at the promised land, they did not have faith that God would provide victory over their enemies, and they didn't get to enter the land that was promised to them because they didn't have faith. So we see, though, in a later generation of Hebrew, this practice of remembrance um, correctly, and it's modeled for us in a song in the book of Psalms, it's Psalm 77. I'm excited to share this song with you. The psalmist finds himself in a place of trouble, and in the midst of this trouble, he chooses to remember. Let's read it together. I cry aloud to God. 
aloud to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Aaron and Moses. So I hope as we were reading, you saw the big pivot in this scripture, in this song. It's in verses 11, and it's, I will remember. I will remember the deeds of the Lord, yes, I will remember your wonders of old. By the end of this psalm, the songwriter has retold the Red Sea story, where God led his people out of Egypt, miraculously saving them from their captors. The same miracle that did not strengthen the faith of the first generation strengthens this man reciting the psalm. The author remembers the miracle of God and he rehearses the facts. God has redeemed his people. He leads them like a flock. If, this, if these are the things that God has done for the people before me, then he has not abandoned me. He will not abandon me. So by looking at these two different generations, I hope you see the role that memory plays in the faith that we hold on to. We see the same miracle, same God, but two different generations with two different responses to it the generation who remembers and the generation who forgets. And the one who remembers is the one whose faith is strong. As you saw in the, in the video, God has really worked miraculously in my life through, through my failures um, to bring me here. And yet, I admit that I fail often to properly remember and memorialize the work that God has done in my life. In those seasons of forgetfulness, I don't get to reap the faith that comes from what God has done, from remembering the years of his right hand. I'm guilty of moving too fast in the forward direction to look back and remember what God has been faithful. God is using each of our stories to show us that he makes good on his promises. And if I had to guess, I would guess a lot of you agree with me that, that sometimes we move too fast. God is doing miracles in our life and we don't see it. We don't remember it. So this is um, what I leave with you. This is the rock solid objective of Sunday morning worship, especially if you're not a singer or a musician. This is what you can do. While we sing together, while we gather, take this time to remember 
what God has done. Rehearse the facts. Has he been good to you? Has he shown up in your mistakes to provide grace and a way forward like he has to me? It's, it's easiest to, to not do this because you don't have time. But you're here right now. And this is what we're going to do, so I guess kind of forced. But take this time. <laughs> we're going to pray silently together for a few minutes. Jason's going to play piano. And, and I would just challenge you to take this time of prayer and specifically ask God for remembrance. God, show me where I've forgotten your goodness in my story. The chapters that I've forgotten that speak to your redemption, to your redemptive power. Help me remember what I've forgotten. Would y'all join me now? We're going to pray silently together.